Good morning. Spoke about breath yesterday morning and it's extraordinary aspects in our lives which make it a very potent object of both investigation and a vehicle for stillness of mind. Then I looked at some postural themes later on in the afternoon. Let me say a few things about experience of body and what the tradition lumps into the branch of Kayanupasana Satipatthana, the uh, explicit mindfulness of bodily sensation. Our attention is habituated, as much habituated as is our way of walking. We easily recognize someone's gait at a distance when they are too far away to recognize their facial features. We generally easily recognize someone by his or by her gait, simply because the way we move through space is quite unmistakable. We can recognize people's gait after years of not seeing them. We recognize their levels of energy, their stride, the amount of swaggering, the amount of uh, precision or control in somebody's movement are often very obvious, even to the uninitiated. You don't need to be a body psychotherapist or so to see that. Similar things happen to our attention. Our attention is strongly habituated. If we deliver ourselves to the patterning of attention, it is likely that we will run into some major issues in our practice, simply because our attentional habits will either fixate upon one aspect of experience and blow that one out of proportion, or maybe more detrimental even, they will studiously avoid, avoid certain aspects of our experience, thereby happily circumnavigating the very issues we need to address most. So one of the things, if we practice mindfulness, is learning to distinguish attention from mindfulness. It's one of the habits, now that mindfulness is a popularized mainstream psychology issue, uh, it's one of the habits to conflate attention in Pali Manasikara with mindfulness in Pali Sati. Both of them have a profound relationship. There is no Sati without attention. But not all attention is necessarily already Sati. So it may be useful to get to know one's own attentional habits. You will have to do some investigation yourself where your attention fixates upon. It is likely that it will fixate upon things. If you enter a room, you are likely not to see the space in that room, but you are likely to fixate on people, on things, on furniture. Often that 
attentional habit is uh, followed by a perceptual habit. So we focus on the nice things. You know, if we're more desire types, if we're more karma charits, then we probably look for where is there something I could enjoy? Where is there something I can find gratification in? Where is there something that is nice, that feels good? If you're more a dosa charit, uh, temperament that inclines to uh, more to anger rather than to desire, then you will go in there and you will see immediately the blemishes. Uh, plants are not watered, painting is slightly uneven, uh, color is off there with the rug on the floor. Uh, you'll go in and you will probably find things that displease you. You will have an accurate and often remarkably well-trained sense for what is not okay, what is not good. And you will tend not to think of this as an attentional or as a perceptual habit. You will think of this as just the way things are. Yeah. This is just how things are. If people just were placing their rocks squarely and decently in rooms rather than slightly skew, your life would be a lot easier. So, without getting to know one's attentional bias and one's perceptual bias, we easily inhabit the worlds these biases create. And that's what meditators try to get out of. Yeah. So, to get out of this, we need to acknowledge, actually, that bias. That's generally unflattering, because we've all practiced many years, and we think, secretly at least, we know what we're doing. And it's unflattering to notice that we seem to be recreating worlds in which we still suffer, in which there is still greed and desire, or there are things just hazy, some things just never quite come into focus. There is something, then there is a blur, and then it hurts. Yeah, that would be there are a few other more temperaments which can help our uh, understanding of mind, and those would be kind of delusion-oriented temperaments. So how do I recognize my attentional and my perceptual bias? One simple way is to enter the body, enter body space. If we close our eyes and if we turn our attention gently inwards and let it sink into the organism, then we enter a space. After closing our eyes within a second or two, there is generally a shift. Now for the untrained mind, that shift means that the thought patterns become more loud and we become more aware what we actually think. If you're trained or if you're training yourself, then you will become aware of a few other things the amplification of our inner experience does not just consist of thought. It also consists of subtle body textures. It consists of tone. It consists of degrees of expansion and contraction. So what we like to do, if we turn to the body, if we turn to Kaya Nupasana, rather than just focus on the strongest body sensation, and fixate the attention of the mind there. We like to explore textures and tone in the body space. 
rather than just go for sensation, we go for spaces in which these sensations occur. Sometimes the easiest way to do that is to go for the strongest sensation and then widen the field of our attention. So we feel the sensation, we touch it, and then we envelop it. We make our attention bigger than the actual sensation. We ask, where is the edge of that sensation? How far does it extend? What is it part of? So in that way, my attention becomes bigger than the object of that attention. We keep widening out from the object, in this case a sensation, say in my left shoulder, and I widen out and I feel the edge of that sensation. I feel where it tapers off. And with that I come from an object awareness to a field awareness, gradually widening without losing clarity, without losing depth. Come from an object-specified, topical type of attention to a widening field attention that encompasses maybe a range of different textures or sensations. See whether this is possible. Go for a moment to the strongest physical sensations you experience right now, and then widen out from there. Just embed that sensation with a little more space. Give it a halo, give it a circle of awareness. Probe its edges. If the mind loses clarity or gets distracted, you can easily go back to the sensation, establish a relationship, and then you gently try to envelop that sensation with a gentle and allowing kind of attention. Maybe the sensation you started off with changes. Maybe it goes into sort of purring, slightly dissolving mode. Maybe it becomes more edgy. Maybe you notice that it's actually bigger than you thought it was. Maybe it disappears. So notice that we can alter our way we attend to things and we can widen our attention from the thinginess of an object to a field type awareness which is much more encompassing which is broader and which gives us a kind of a sense of the climate that happens in this body space
often sensations at the outside of the body, what I think is referred to by tactile sensations basically of the skin are the, in many ways easy. Facial area, hands are often easiest. We have many little sensations there. But there are other sensations which are not on the outside of the body. For many people the most tangible sensations when they sit down, close their eyes, is where the weight goes. So we could identify sensations of pressure, contact, warmth. Often what Buddhist psychology would call the earth element, expansion, resistance, solidity, are three qualities of that earth element, are easily found. But there are sensations there of other nature as well. We have not just tactile sensory awareness, we also we sense the vertical dimension in our body. We sense differing degrees of pressure, tension, density, what the neurologist would call interoception, we feel inside the body. We can feel that our shoulders are above our hips. We can feel that the belly is maybe warm and soft and the small of the back is reassuringly stable and firm. And finally, there's a fascinating sense in which we can meet our bodies, which what neurologists would call proprioception. It means that parts of the body know where other parts are. So my left hand knows where my right hand is without looking. It simply knows that. It knows its distance. We all have learned to lead a fork to our mouth, even in the dark, without looking. In this way we can find out posture, we can find expansion, for example. We can be in touch with our alignment. We can sense whether we are upright or not. We can sense whether we are symmetrical or not. And to the upright dimension, there is a spatial quality now. We can sense that this body takes space. It has volume. The easiest way to access this space is simply by breathing in and noticing how the space increases. The felt space of my bodily presence increases when I breathe in and relaxes when it slightly collapses on breathing out.
the dilation of my ribcage, the widening of the space, and the slight relaxation and the slight collapse of that space when I breathe out is part of my felt, my sensate experience. My encouragement would be to not observe that space, but to inhabit that space, to go there where it feels, and to feel what's happening there. When I'm not my own observer, but when I actually embody my bodied experience, and I'm willing to go and live there where it feels and see what's taking place there. Whether this is a wide space or a contracted one, a warm or a cold one, an old or a young one. Whether it is welcoming my attention or whether it is slightly reserved, even hostile, when I go in there. With every breath I pacify, with every breath I establish relationship. If this sounds too confusing, simply ask, what is happening? How does it feel? Can I enter into relationship with it? What is my attitude in there? Curious, suspicious, welcoming. When we begin to to infuse our attention with a caring and yet sober Curiosity, a well-meaning quality of investigation, then gradually we, we move from attention to mindfulness. When it is possible to have a fluid, continuous contact with both the space and the object that inhabits this inner space, then we can maybe start calling this no longer attention, but then we're actually speaking of a a mindfulness in in the sense of sati, in the sense uh, the Buddha spoke of in the many images I've given you a few days ago. So, let us practice.